Shalom and welcome to It's All About the Aliyah. Today I have one of the most extraordinary people I know as a guest. Uh, she came to me when she was 21 years old and said she wanted to go to Ukraine and spend months collecting stories from the Olim, those who are going to make Aliyah. Um, I thought maybe she was a little crazy, but she did it. And uh, she's going to tell us about that today. Um, currently, she is a writer for Glenn Beck, working for Mercury Radio Arts. And her name is Michaela G. Hedrick. Michaela, <laughs> I have to train myself for your new last name. You got married recently, and I, 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 it still wants to roll off my tongue with your maiden name. I have to train myself as well. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You know, Michaela, um, before we get into your adventure in Ukraine, um, as uh, our audience will know by, by when this is filmed, uh, we were, we're about two weeks into the invasion by Vladimir Putin and, and Russia. And uh, it's, we've seen horrific scenes from Ukraine. I know that uh, it personally touches you. You made friends there. Um, can you kind of give us your assessment of what you feel is going on there and how it's affected you? I can give you no geopolitical assessment, but what I can tell you, <laughs> because no one can get in the mind of all of these people, what, what I can tell you is that I, I am feeling most for the people on the ground. It's the same situation when I was in the Donbass region in Ukraine in 2018. Mm -hmm. I feel most for the civilians caught in the crossfire, the ones caught in the conflict who aren't making these big political decisions. They aren't deciding who's in NATO, who's not in NATO, or they're not staking their political futures on any of this, but their families are being uprooted. Their lives are being threatened. And it's, it's, it's very important to talk about the geopolitical parts of this because we need to figure that out. But I find myself as I'm listening to the news, I keep being reminded that these are, these are people on the ground and they, are just as loved by God as we are. Mm. And they have to go through this. And I'm blessed enough to live in America right now where I'm not growing through this, but having people on the ground that I love and that I know, yeah, it makes it much more challenging to watch what's happening. Yeah, right much more, more challenging and more personal. You know, these are friends and coworkers of mine as well. Um, and I, and I appreciate your, your sentiment because I, I think not enough of that has been said. I, as I watch the media reports, it's all so impersonal. And so, uh, you know, um, as you said, they, they're trying to analyze every move. Um, although we have been seeing horrific pictures and uh, it, it does strike home. But for, for someone like yourself who spent so much time there and made friends, uh, I know it strikes home and it does with, with us uh, very much so. Um, would you tell our audience a bit about how you were motivated to go, uh, where the idea came from, and, and, and why you did what you did? Well, there's a reality of duality to this story. There's a spiritual level, and then there's the physical level. And I can look back and see how they both coalesce so beautifully, but let me tell you them separately. Okay. So on, on the human plane, if you will, I had just graduated from my university. I had a degree in acting and I had no clue what I was going to do with it next. I had just finished doing a tour of a production and I knew I didn't want to go to New York and do the Broadway thing or go do the Hollywood thing. It didn't feel right to me. It didn't align with my values and who I wanted to be. 
And so I was sitting thinking, how can I use what I know how to do, which is tell stories. That's what I was trained to do. It's what I got my degree in. How can I use that and do something useful? Simultaneously, the man who is now my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, was studying a year abroad in Italy. So my first thought was, well, maybe I should do something in Europe because <laughs> my boyfriend's in Europe. Then I thought, hmm, I'll start looking at Poland. Is there anything in Poland? Mm, no, not really. And I'm talking to my mom and I'm saying, I want to go somewhere where I can gather interesting stories or I can learn more. And she says, well, why don't you talk to Gary? <laughs> because <laughs> Gary has been going in to Ukraine and he's been talking about this country. What do you know about Ukraine? I know nothing about Ukraine at the time. I couldn't point to it on a map. Mm -hmm. And I start to research and I start to read. And I realize that that entire nation was a complete hole in my understanding. Mm. I knew literally nothing about these people. And then when I realized how big the country was and how vast and tortured at many times the history was, I was shocked. I had no idea what these people had been through and how resilient they were. Yeah. And from a distance through their stories, I gained a certain level of respect. So there's that first. Sure. Then we add on the level of what God is doing with the Alia. Yeah. And I saw a statistic and I always tell this story. This is what changed everything is I saw a statistic about how many Jewish people were leaving from Ukraine and going to Israel. And my whole life, I had read those prophecies that God was going to move his people to the land of Israel. And then I saw that statistic. And somehow for the first time in my life, although my mother had diligently taught me this my whole life, one statistic in some article, I think it was in the New York Times. <laughs> I see some, I don't remember, some newspaper. Yeah. I see this one statistic somewhere on the internet. And it clicks for me that this is happening in my life right now. And so I wanted to go learn more about it. And I didn't know much more than that. That's how I know that God was working all of this because I had these human plane things yeah. that I wanted, but I had no idea what I was getting into. And when I look back, this was not the most logical, reasonable next step for me after graduating from college was to go alone and travel to Ukraine and gather stories of people making Aliyah. I mean, that was not the most logical next step, but it's, it was the step that God set me up for. Yeah, it's not, it wasn't logical, but you know, I was sitting here thinking, I wish I could clone you when you said that, because I've, I've spent the entire, you know, so many years trying to get people to understand that, that those, those prophecies that you spoke of are happening right before our eyes. And, uh, uh, you, you, it, that dawned on you and that, that would help motivate you to go. Uh, so what an incredible way to, uh, take, take the, take your, training to the next level by telling a student, not only a, a human story that's going on, but one that's actually fulfilling biblical prophecy. That's mm -hmm. incredible. Um, Michaela, I want to hear more about uh, everything that you experienced while you were there. And I'm sure our audience does too. We're going to take this quick commercial break and we'll be right back.
All right, Michaela. So before the break, you were telling us about your uh, idea to go to Ukraine. And uh, obviously you did. You are a storyteller and uh, you you learned a lot about the people who are making Aliyah, didn't you? Yes. There was flesh to the stories. There was flesh to the statistics that I had no idea. I had no idea of what seeing that would do to me. Mm. It was a changing point in my life. It was a metamorphosis, metamorphosis point in my life. Because the stories, all of our favorite stories in the world are just about people. Yeah. The stories in the Bible are just about people. But you can look back in time and see how miraculous they are and see how God uses people for miraculous things. But to see it in real time. Yeah. Ordinary people doing it. It not only things. taught me, it not only reminded me of the humanity of the stories of the Bible, but it encouraged me to be a part of it that I didn't have to be King David. <laughs> <laughs> to be a part of what's happening right now. All I had to be was a person, flawed, human, and doing my best. And I could be a part of something so much bigger than myself. And what an important message right now. Mm. Because we all want to be part of something bigger. That's a human urge. I believe that. And when I was on the ground, I met people who who taught me so much about myself and about God. There was a woman who was suffering from a, an illness that was going to kill her and there was no treatment. And I went to her house and I sat down and I talked with her and she wanted to make Aliyah to Israel so that she could survive. They didn't have the medication. They didn't have the surgeries to take care of her in Ukraine. She wanted to get there. And I asked her, I said, when do you need to get to Israel by? And her husband said, yesterday. Mm. that's how desperate it was. Her life was on the line. And yet when I asked her if she was optimistic, if she had hope, she said, I believe that God heals people. And I believe that when I get to Israel, I will do this is how she said it. I remember how she said it in her dialect. I will do all kinds of tests and the doctors will tell me that I am healed. Mm. That's what she said. And that act of faith completely changed my life because I'll try to do this quickly. I was dealing with medical issues at the same time that I was in Ukraine. And that testimony helped spark my recovery as well. This belief that when I am in the place that God wants me to be, I will be healed. And that is what this woman believed. That's what she was saying. And then these human beings on the ground were making that happen. But when you look back and tell that story, you can see it's a miracle because she made it to Israel and she lived. Praise God. Praise that's, God. Oh, and, yeah, I, and I had the honor of documenting that woman's story, which... If it weren't for people like the people with Ezra International, that story might go unknown and we could miss what's going on in the world right now, which is a complete and utter miracle. It, God met me in that work because I'm one of the people that needs to see the, the puncture yeah. wound in the hand. Mm -hmm. I'm the person that sinks on the water. I have a lack of faith. I constantly say, God, make it clear because I'm going to miss it. I'm absolutely going to miss it. <laughs> Mm. And my faith is strengthened when I act out in line with what I know God told me to do. It's not when I, I pray for more revelation. That comes too. 
But for me, God speaks to me the most when I go where he told me to go. And going to Ukraine to do this work was the the most prominent example in my life so far when that's happened. Because God said, go and do this and I'll meet you there. And I thought, meet me where? You're going to go meet me in, in this country I've never heard of. And I, I took that leap of faith and it completely changed my life. It completely changed my perspective on how God works, that God honors obedience. He meets you in obedience. He meets you when you do what he asked you to do or when you help him do what he's going to do with or without you. Right. That's right. amazing. It's like Pardon. God was already there saving that woman's life. God was already there moving those people out of those violent areas. God was already there moving the orphans out. So I have an option. Do I want to meet God in the midst of a miracle or do I want to not? And when you say it like that, it's like, well, I'm going to go meet him in the midst of a miracle. And since then, I mean, I am a, I am a big spokesperson. I say everyone needs to go watch the Alia happen. If you're having some trouble with your faith, you need to go watch somebody who believes in God so much that they will stake their life. They will immigrate to another country. I mean, we can't even understand a lot of times in America how, how that could even be possible. Like taking your whole family, your whole life, uprooting your tree and moving it somewhere else. That's not a trivial decision. No, that's a big decision. And to do that because you are being moved by God and supported by people of God. I mean, that is unreal unreal. Wow. Michaela, I love, uh, thank you for your transparency, first of all, but then also that profound assessment of, of what you, you witnessed. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard it more powerfully put, uh, because, you know, we talk about partnering with God in doing this work. Um, I mean, yet you, you talked about aligning your life, your life with that plan and that purpose and how much that affected you too. And I think that is a lesson for every one of us. Every one of us, if we understand the purpose he put us on this planet and get, you know, get into it, start doing it, uh, be a part of his, what he's doing on the earth today, what a different world it would be. Um, yes. A- and, and it shifted my paradigm mm. to instead to not look for what is my individual purpose in this world, mm. because that is a big question to answer. And when I didn't know right out of college, the best thing that I could have possibly done is find out what is God's purpose in this world and partner with that. When you don't know what to do, do what God is doing. (laughs) Absolutely. I I, I totally agree with that. I've often said, you know, you have no need to get on the, on your hands and knees and wear out the, the knees in your pants, praying, God, what is your will? What is your will? Look to his word, see what he's doing, and jump in and be a part of it. I, I, I completely agree. Now that doesn't mean every one of us plays the same role. But find, finding a way to be a part of that. And you did. And, uh, you know, you've come back with, with many stories. I know you've shared them in, in many creative ways. Um, after, after the next break, I'd love to hear some more about uh, how you uh, applied that, you know, what you saw there and how it's, it's changed your life. It's obviously changed your life in, in, for the better. And uh, I love your passion. And again, I'll say it again. I wish I could clone you. <laughs> All right. I want to hear more about your stories when we come back. We'll be right back. Ezra International now has a brand new app. Now you can connect with Ezra like never before. Easily find all partner countries and discover stories behind the real people Ezra helps every day. Access 
Ezra's 24-7 global TV network and learn all about what it means to make Aliyah. And most importantly, it is now easier and more secure to financially help Ezra fulfill our global mission to rescue, return, and restore the poorest of the poor Jewish people to their homeland of Israel. Download the Ezra app today. Get it now on the App Store and on Google Play. All right, welcome back. We're talking to Michaela G. Hedrick and uh, (laughs) getting used to her new name. She's recently married. And uh, Michaela, you've had a whirlwind six months. You've had uh, you had a whirlwind time in Ukraine. Uh, tell tell a little bit more about your experiences there. You were there what about three months? Was it? Yeah, just about. When you say whirlwind, that's the most accurate word to describe it. Because mm-hmm. when I got this idea, within about three months, I was leaving to go do it. And, and what happened is I came and I had one of the worst proposals that I have ever given. <laughs> and so that's why I know God did this. And I said to the, the people of Ezra International that I want to go and follow your team and I will make something about it. I'll do something about it. That's all I knew. That was it. And on that, thank God, I was given the green light to go. Right. <laughs> and then I got a, a tutor in Russian and Ukrainian I read every book that I could. I was connected with a member of the team who ended up being my translator and she started preparing me. And then I was in Ukraine. Mm, yeah, it was. <laughs> and quick. I was traveling on those in those little vans on those bumpy roads in the midst of snowstorms because it's colder than Siberia and Ukraine, truly. <laughs> <laughs> I know I lied to you. I, I, I said it wasn't Siberia, but it was- everybody lied. <laughs> <laughs> you literally said it's not Siberia. And one day I did a side-by-side comparison of Ukraine and Siberia and Ukraine was colder. And I said, it's not Siberia, but it's worse. <laughs> but so as a world, I land on the ground. I am the only American on my team. I'm the only one who doesn't speak the language. That is one of the most interesting ways to learn about people, by the way, being a minority in your experience and your language in any way, if you want to learn about a culture, wow, I had the most amazing opportunity because I couldn't retreat to the people that I understood. I had to hang out (laughs) with the people who I had no idea what they were saying literally because I didn't understand their language. And I remember one of my first days we went out and we met people who were dealing with medical Challenges is an understatement. Mm. When I told you that story of that woman who was life or death, yeah, the the medical system in Ukraine is not good, especially when you compare it to somewhere like America or somewhere like Israel. Yeah. I've heard horror stories about it. Yeah. There's horror stories about about that system, um, the public system that the people are able to access, not good. And so I would go meet these people on their deathbeds who've been given horrible treatment. And who are trying to es- escape for a better life. And then a week later, I-, I would travel to outside of the Donbass region, which is what we're seeing now is kind of the culmination of the conflict in, yeah. in the Donbass region, which is where that area had been destabilized and yeah. removed from Ukraine and declared a kind of autonomous pro-Russian. Yeah. It's a very confusing situation. In fact, anytime I try to explain it, I end up contradicting myself. Because mm. everyone told me something very different about the conflict, which is why it's very hard to unravel for me now. From mm. 
being on the ground, but I was with the people on the ground who a woman had had a rocket land in her backyard and people who had lost family to violence in that area and that they were trying to immigrate. There was an elderly woman who I will never forget who said she was completely alone and her, she was born with war world Hmm. war two. Right. And she is ending her life with war in the same country. I mean, she lived through Hitler, Stalin, and now she's living through this. Yeah. And she was going to make Alia. And it was an Alia of necessity, 100%. She had nothing left for her there. Literally nothing left for her there. And this this elderly woman, I have the strong memory of her singing this song in Ukrainian. And she had a necklace a star of david necklace and when they brought her to the airport she was alone singing a song in ukraine with the star of david necklace and i thought oh my gosh look at what what god is gonna have to do for this woman because she she did this by herself except for the people at ezra which is another reason i was so grateful because the team came and they prayed with her and they brought her to the airport. And she was so excited when people came to visit. I mean, you don't know how important that is when you're elderly and alone, just to have people who even care that you exist. Sure. That's very powerful. It's a very strong message. And, yeah. and I met people all across the spectrum, people who were having issues, again, medically, people who were having issues because of the war, people who were having to immigrate because they didn't have the opportunities that they needed for their children. They couldn't provide for their children. They were in extreme poverty or they were in the midst of excessive corruption and they wanted a better life. Most of them were motivated by wanting a better life for their children, which is so human. They wanted their kids to live better than they did. And they were willing to sacrifice so much for that. And they, thank God, had the assistance to do that. Despite yeah. the fact that many of them were in abject poverty and maybe could have never done it otherwise. That I, was. I agree. Amazing. And nobody else coming. I, you know, I often those same people you're talking about say that it's the first time a Christian has ever shown them love or even kindness. And uh, what a sad indictment on the church that is. And so the people of Ezra International, um, you know, that's one thing that I first noticed when, when I made my visit was they, they were compassionate and empathetic and caring, serving. These are people, many of them who have been so beat down by situations that they believe the Calvary is not coming. Mm. And when help comes, it's very meaningful. It's, it's very meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. They, to see they're... what that does for people when when someone is in a hopeless situation and it's, and they're given hope by somebody who cares about them. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, think about this woman, Hitler and Stalin. I mean, she has been stomped into the ground in her nation and her nation is still under attack right now. And she's alone. Yeah. You you don't know what that can do when you have somebody who cares about you. That is just huge. I, I, I remember meeting a woman like that at the, uh, the fish camp that we rented for getting war refugees out. And she said she had lost everything. And she mm-hmm. said she had lost all hope. And then, then Ezra folks picked her up and she said all of a sudden she had new hope. She was going to Israel and she couldn't believe that people in America would actually give and help uh, f- to make that process possible. So, yeah, it's 
They can't. Uh, I, many, like you said, Gary, this is the first time that somebody has made a concerted effort to become involved in their future. Mm. Who cares about them? And when I would sit down, who wants to know their story, wants to know who they are, what they want, where they're going, how, how they're feeling. Yeah. Gosh, we're so blessed. I'm so blessed. And I know not all of us have as many blessings. I feel abundantly blessed because I've never had to, and I'd never even seen people living the way that I saw many people living and not everybody. It's a diverse country full of all levels, but the people who need the most help are living in ways that I'd never even seen before. And I mean that on a physical, literal plane, but also as far as, as loneliness even and a lack of hope and a lack of support. So when somebody can come in, the Calvary came. Yeah. (laughs) That is so cool. It is. And I, and I just hope that uh, that can continue in Ukraine. It's a tragic situation and we're going to try to continue to help them as long as we possibly can, even under the circumstances, Our, our team never left. They're still there even during this war. Um, Michaela, you are an incredible storyteller. And in the about, oh, maybe two minutes that we have left, (laughs) um, tell our audience what you did with some of those stories when you uh, came back. Well, I'm still doing with them because God's doing them with me, I would say. So I first thing I did was turn them into a short film, which you came to the premiere of Gary and we actually worked what, what was most amazing to me. The thing about film is you don't know exactly what it does to the audience. Cause people see it and you don't know they saw it. Right. I don't get to see them. Mm. But what was most amazing to me is I had a team of young people around my age. The oldest person in the cast was one of the actresses who was actually Ukrainian, which was really special. Yeah. But the oldest person in the cast was in her 40s. It was a really young team. And many people had never heard of Ukraine before, never really considered Israel before. Mm. And suddenly I would hear these conversations among the crew of these people from all different backgrounds. And they had this love for Jewish Ukrainians and it seems so random in this world. And then as this is, as everything's been going down in Ukraine, there's this whole group of people who have been impacted by the story of a Jewish Ukrainian who have this heart connection to a Jewish Ukrainian. And that's the power of a story is it creates yeah. an almost unseverable heart connection between you and somebody you would likely never even meet. That and when I saw these young people of all walks of life who would say that they they loved this person in this story. I told the story of one particular Olim mm. and they loved her. They cared about her. They wanted to do something for her. And I couldn't believe, I mean, I, that's what I set out to do. So I, it's funny for me to say, I don't believe it. But when I heard people talking about it just in the dressing room, like, yeah. wow, I'm so glad that she was able to make Ali. I was like, wow, how many people even know the word Alia? And now there's this group a film crew in Orlando that does. Isn't and then right up, it's incredible. I mean, and, and that, I don't know how far that ripple goes. I have no idea what seeds that plants, but I feel, I feel grateful that at minimum people have a positive connection to a Jewish Ukrainian. You, you did your across job across the world. You and then after job. that, we turned it into an audio series and, yes. and the audio series was more in depth. It was a bit more about my journey, seeing it through my lens of what it was like for me as a, as a young American yeah. to travel and, and to do this. And 
we have that out there and I've been speaking and I'm a huge advocate. I don't feel like God's done with me in the Alia. I feel like God had me meet him there yeah. for a reason. And I've been, I was blessed that I'm an extreme person. And so God knew how to work with me. I don't think everyone has to go live alone in Ukraine and, and see the refugees and stay near the camps. I don't think everyone has to do that. Everyone's going to have their way. And many people are blessed that they will, they will feel that heart connection without even having to do that. But God knows I'm the person that has to touch the wound. And he made a way for me to do that so that I could tell people who might not have the opportunity to touch the wound that it's real. (laughs) It is real. Michaela, I'm so sorry. We're out of time. Your passion is contagious. And I hope our audience uh, received that. Um, I I think we need to have you back sometime because there's probably so much more you could tell. I would love to hear uh, everything that, that, that occurred. I have learned more, I think, in this interview than we have in our per- private conversations because we've always had such short time to do that. But uh, again, time is, is slipped away and uh, I'd love to invite you back and we'll do this again. I hope we can do that. Thank you so much for sharing your, your experiences with us. Thank you. That's all the time we have. God bless you. Shalom. We'll see you next time.